The Verging on Greatness, a podcast about films that verge on greatness, but mostly just wallow in mediocrity, with your hosts, Mike Porkfeld and Craig Cerventi. I was going to start this with a queen, like I was going to sing some queen, but I'm, I'm actually, I'm already, I'm already sick We do not have queen. the time, we do not have the talent to be singing queen. Uh, <laughs> Needless to say, there's probably going to be a lot of queen references in this podcast. Yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty strong on queen. Um, oh hi. my God. Um, welcome. Thank you for listening um, uh, um, to this podcast, which is called Verging on Greatness. Um, this is a podcast where me, Mike, and my friend Craig. Hi, Craig. Hi, Mike. We talk about a movie that is uh, verging on greatness, that is close to great, but not quite there, and um, try and figure out what what was what was missing, what was not quite there, um, that could have been tweaked, could have been changed to um, to really push it over the line and make it great. To take it to take it from a mediocre film, Mike, and make it great, verging, <laughs> yes. as it were. On greatness, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> I've had two cups of coffee, Mike. We're ready to go. I was trying to think of a Queen pun already, but it didn't didn't <laughs> didn't arrive. Oh man! <laughs> I, thought, I was going to say simply the best, but that's not Queen. I'm, I'm that, way that's off my game. Tina Turner. Yeah, it's not even close. Yeah. Um, and after kind of close? after our last podcast, uh, Demolition Man, I had to go and watch um, Tina Turner, oh, Mad Max Three. Oh, you star. So, so good <laughs> now yeah. i can't not hear uh, we don't need another hero by uh, tina turner all we need is uh, thunderdome oh we could so or we could always pivot this podcast and just make it a podcast about movies made between 1992 and 1999 yeah <laughs> i mean <laughs> yeah <laughs> i mean that would cut out my uh, that would cut out my mad max but uh, uh thunderdome was yeah you couldn't do the you couldn't do the you couldn't do the first one thunderdome i mean i mean to be fair i mean if we're looking at our um listens for for 2021 um yeah that late that late 80s um mid 90s uh film is definitely getting listened to that that's the moment people yeah our audience that's our audience except except i might point out for the one weird group of people that wanted to listen to our podcast about the best picture winner from 1943 how green is my valley (laughs) That did surprisingly well. That, that was an obscure one. <laughs> that was a watch. That was that was quite a watch. That um, was a watch. So we're we're leaping we're leaping forward. Um, we're doing something a little bit different. Something we've been meaning to do for a while, um, which is a New Zealand movie. A lot closer um, to home. Yeah, it is. It is close mm. to home. So I'm I'm uh, obviously from New Zealand, and so is Craig. He doesn't sound like it, but he is. No, I do not. Um, um, so uh, we're, I'm, uh, um, I'm Australian by birth, but uh, Kiwi by choice. Yeah. So so we've we've, we've been meaning to do a, a New Zealand movie on this podcast, and it does come with the the caveat. Sometimes you know, sometimes we are um, critical um, of of uh, some of the movies we watch. That's kind of kind of the idea of the podcast. We try and be constructive. Um, but sometimes we have a bit of a laugh at the movie's expense. It's not meant to be a bad movie podcast. We've tried to stay away from that. Well, I mean, the internet's um, full of those. And if, if that's what you really yeah. want, I mean, gosh, just pick the next podcast and the list decides yeah, this one. There's, Guaranteed there's, to be that. There's plenty yeah. of those. There's plenty of those. But we, like, yeah, this is this movie was made in our in our backyard. It's in our neighborhood. In fact, it is in my suburb. It is literally um, in a, a our suburbs. Was, a lot so, of, yeah. it was, of it was filmed on the, on the North Shore. 
uh, Birkenhead, Northcote Point, and to the North Shore of Auckland, which is where I live. Um, I recognise a lot of the locations. Um, so, um, yeah, uh, we're we're going to uh, you know fair, give, just give fair play um, right at the top here to the people who got out and made this movie. Good on you. Um, I've never made a movie. Um, so. I've never made a long movie. So. <laughs> Never made a long movie, so thumb. Um, Never made a movie can't... with Academy Award nominated Sally Hawkins. That's for sure. No, I have not. No, no neither. Never so made thumbs... a movie with Australia's very own Brian Brown. <laughs> <laughs> the FX in this movie are to die for. Yeah, uh, that's a that's a reference to a Brian Brown movie. In case that's a bit obscure for you people. <laughs> um, uh, yeah. So that. All that aside, um, so oh, and also uh, I, I didn't mention we're going to release this for Valentine's Day. It's a romantic, oh hell yeah we are. <laughs> so we also wanted to do, we wanted to do a romantic comedy for Valentine's. This is Day. coming so out aligned. on February fourteenth, baby. Yeah, stars yeah. stars aligned. We wanted to do a New Zealand movie. We wanted to do a romantic comedy. Here um, we are. It's it's. I've talked about this before when we did probably must have been when we did Shakespeare in Love. Um, romantic comedy is is not a strong genre for me. I haven't seen heaps um so i'm gonna take a personal dig at mike now so you clearly weren't dating in the aughts in the late 90s were you mike uh because that or romantic comedies that's that's date night gold no i no i guess not (laughs) you were too Um, busy having fun with your friends weren't you yeah 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 pretty much i went to an all i I was i was still in school and at the end of the 90s and i went to an all-boys school all-boys school yeah i guess romantic comedies were not the things being watched at the weekend parties no no not no not so much so if if i need kind of reference points for romantic comedies i may i may throw to you i mean i I, I know i know enough to know what this what lovebirds yeah is is that the first time we've mentioned the title what lovebirds oh yeah we're doing lovebirds 2011 so it's it's pitching for i mean if, if you downloaded this podcast you've, you've clicked on the title you've seen what we're doing but um oh, you've already seen an ad there'll be a picture the, yeah um it's the yeah every man um male meets gorgeous female falls in love but he is a bit too bland himself mm-hmm. um he is a bit too stuck in his ways and he he can't elevate himself to the heights that this the dizzying heights that this um outstanding uh, amazing female character demands so you're talking about your your rob gordon from high fidelity um um the about a boy i forget the character's name hugh grant's character in about a boy hugh grant and anything in the orcs kind of i mean and, and a lot of a lot of male written romantic comedies yeah you woody allen you, you they have this guy in the lead who's a kind of a bland boring guy and he's got to he's got to up his game to meet the to meet the standard of this of, yeah they've of got the to grow up they're going to stop right. being children or being yeah. generally speaking assholes and yeah and then that's the that's the, the god that's like matthew broderick uh, in any of yep. the rom-coms that's tom hanks that's um hugh grant they're all the same like they've all got to grow yeah. a little bit yeah the women are almost always perfect to start with so um and it's always this idea that they've got to let behind childish things and grow to be adults uh, yeah typically speaking and, and so it's yeah it's 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 laid out on the plate in that first scene so we start with um reese darby's uh, character doug gordon and he, and he even carries the name as the high fidelity character gordon although it's right. more a reference to the queen 
just an excuse, uh, to, Flash excuse Gordon, to refer yeah. to the Queen Flash that, that's Gordon. My first, as, that's as my first note here, is uh, Craig, uh, sorry, he, uh, he's he got, um, he's Chekhov's Flash, because, uh, <laughs> you know, because it opens strong on a Queen song, and uh, and then rapidly wears out its welcome. Uh, which is pretty hard to freaking do with Queen, but uh, this movie this movie has a decent stab at it. So um, Queen is yeah. such a bold take. If you hell's if you're gonna, to if you're the pick yes, a, like you think about the um, so New Zealand movies and thinking about the Taika Waititi movies with the Phoenix Foundation, it's really re- it's instantly recognisable. Yeah, but the the Queen just takes it to another level. It's it's not just recognizable. It's it's smacking you in the face every time a Queen song comes on. Oh yeah, that's right. He really likes Queen. Oh god. Yeah, He's so it's the, super into Queen. Yeah, so the character in the film Gordon is super into Queen, and we're establishing that early because we sh- it's shown him lovingly getting a record out and dusting it and putting it on a hi fi, um, and then playing it while his girlfriend Susan is dumping him. Um, and he doesn't he doesn't quite realize what's going on, but she's dumping him while he's trying to listen to Queen. And he and he, he even stands up and he literally says, "I promise to change." So yes. It's, they 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 spell it right out. That his his problem is that he's never changed. And in fact, that that called to mind the the line from High Fidelity, where she says something along the lines of, "You haven't changed so, so much as a pair of socks since yeah. since we met." That's since it's we the met. exact it's the exact same um, dynamic. Yeah, um, and so Susan Susan walks out the door, and she's clearly she's clearly longing for a life more sophisticated, um, or for yeah. um, because she claims that he's still living in his parents his parents' house, but his but but by that she means um, his parents have left him a house uh, because I think they've passed on, uh, but and he is living in that parental house, and then. But the uh, it's all glamour shots of this house on this huge bit of property overlooking the bays in Auckland, uh, with nothing around. Um, and I'm just thinking to myself, uh, that guy is set. Uh, that, yeah. that property is worth millions, and uh, yeah. so I, I'm not quite sure because she wants him to sell it so that they can get an apartment. Um, we don't quite get that. That, that that's probably a, a plot point for the end of the film because she's like, oh, you'll sell the house and we'll get an apartment in town. Um, but yeah already there's there's problems property in this film is very wildly under undervalued yeah if you've been around uh and it's a bit of the 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 friends the apartments and friends scenario if you've ever tried to buy property in auckland or you own property in auckland these are not the types of jobs that people would have if they to go with those properties yeah i mean okay he inherited his and we don't know okay fair so that could have been owned from the 60s that's fine and we we don't know what um what holly holly's um background is what her we know she was she had a partner maybe maybe she got a lot in the divorce but i don't know if you make that much money um uh, working as a as a bird expert at the zoo to buy a (laughs) two and a half million dollar north coat point (laughs) Man, just point. around the just around the corner from the Bridgeway yeah, Cinema, with, with views the of the Harbour Bridge. Bridge. Yeah, million that's, dollar view yeah. of the Harbour Bridge. Yeah, two and a half. That's 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 uh, generous, isn't it? That's uh, she is. I think that's probably rich. more like a three or four million dollar property. As, but yeah, now maybe in two thousand eleven. I don't know. Oh gosh. Um, yeah. So um, yeah, and so, so that like, and, and there's only so many 
there's only so many, so many dynamics in rom-coms so like i don't mean to i don't mean to give the give the movie a hard time off the bat because it's it's rolling out a familiar trope like that's how rom-coms work and the 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 edge that this is bringing to that the dynamic this is bringing to that is that in addition to this dynamic um that introduces the kind of uh unwanted animal um yeah the, the the duck cat dog is introduced to five minutes and 18 seconds yeah yeah and he so there's this kind of nuisance in his life but he sees this as an opportunity to experience the growth that he has been encouraged to experience by this by this dumping and so after some some attempts to get rid of this duck uh the duck and duck kind of literally lands on his roof um yeah and, and it's 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 he takes it to a vet and it's got a broken wing and it needs to be looked after um he could throw it into the throw it back into the wild and let it take its chances, but he doesn't want to do that. Um, uh, it's it's so, literal so save the cat becomes moment, he the, saves so the that's duck. the yeah so so that's the that's the dy- that's the dynamic that's the the kind of entry point to the film is, is his relationship with this duck that um, winds up with the name Pierre. Um, his, yeah, his so attempt, he takes one of his attempts takes... to get rid of it. Yeah, he takes the duck. He takes the duck to a a doctor called uh, Brian Brown. Does he go to Brian Brown? No, does, the the doctor isn't called Brian Brown. The doctor is called Doctor Buster. Uh, but the uh, he takes uh, who is played by Brian Brown. Does he take the duck to Brian Brown first, or does he take the duck to Sally Hawkins as Holly first? Holly first. Holly first, and she sends she him on tells his him, way. She tells him to go to see a vet, and then the vet tells him to go and take it to the to the to the bird sanctuary farm. to the crazy bird sanctuary yeah so that's and that's your that's your first act is essentially he's 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 dumped as your inciting incident and then the duck lands on his roof and then this first act is him coming to terms with okay i'm, I'm now gonna and accepting the call that mm. i'm now gonna look after this duck and that's this is going to be that's the catalyst for my change for my journey is going yeah. to be me looking after this duck instead of a rebound uh, relationship he has a rebound duck <laughs> um and and i mean i don't even know if we need to tell too much more of the story it kind of plays out from there the the ex comes back there's the uh there's 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 a there's a a mindless inclusion of craig uh i mean namesake be damned but he's got a best friend called craig in the film who is apparently by an actor called called Craig. craig very meta um and uh the girl the ex girlfriend winds up dating craig but then craig loses everything in the course of the film and ends up living at um gordon's house uh, sally hawkins has um, a precocious kid um i wrote down here because we we're introduced to the kid pretty early on but not as sally hawkins kid and i think my note was um what's the odds of that kid being important to the plot um and i said it's 105 percent. so <laughs> very high very it's very up at, high it's the close-up at the end that gives it away yeah and um, he throws this kid's communicator into the lion into the lion's den so um yeah does so question about craig does craig do anything in the movie other than provide a bike for um doug to ride to set up the, the big so stunt on the the harbor bridge stunt on the harbor the, bridge the, so the, they can play the climax and so that they can play i want to ride my bicycle by yeah. queen yeah no it, he does <laughs> if, not <laughs> if craig if craig was not in the movie at all other than that 
So my question for you, Mike, is did they have that scene with the bicycle on the harbour bridge because they thought that was the way to go? Or did they have that because they really wanted to play Ride My Bicycle by Queen and they needed a scene where he was riding a bicycle? A climactic climactic scene. It's a good good scene. I like that scene. Um, Just FYI, you're not allowed to ride your bicycle on the harbour bridge in Auckland. So uh, watching this, because he's riding this bike over the harbour bridge um and that would be a big no-no so they will have had to have gotten filming permission and shut down at, at the middle two lanes on the harbor bridge at three in the morning so yeah it's can, not made can... it's not made obvious in the movie but that's that's well against the rules yeah and it's it's very very early it will i mean from a filmmaking perspective that would have been incredibly early in the morning uh so like two thirty, <laughs> three o'clock in the morning yeah but and like if you were doing that in real life on a rainy night, oh my god, you, you would you're taking you would your life into you're, your own hands. Good you're god, not survi- you're not surviving that bike trip. <laughs> duck or no duck, <laughs> duck or no duck. <laughs> There's no way you're ducking out on death on that bridge at two in the morning in the rain. So yeah, yeah. So yeah, Craig. Yeah, I've written my note about he... Craig here. Is uh, Craig seems about as trustworthy as your average Russian oligarch. Yeah, he's the he's the kind of scummy character. I guess he's a bit of a foil to. He provides he acts as a foil to Doug. He tells he's, he's the anti Doug, right? He's the he's yeah. the all style no substance. Where Doug's the all substance no style. Also, he he serves as a bit of a comeuppance for Sally, who is all style. Like she is very superficial. So, sorry, Sally, Susan, Susan, the ex girlfriend, who who clearly has a very defined vision of what uh, Gordon should be or what her life should be. Yeah. And, um, interestingly, I mean, as a, as a, as a woman character, she is written like centimeters thick because, um, she is, it's all she wants is a nice house. She wants to look good. She wants to go to the right club, to the right restaurant and be seen and doing the right, the cool things. I mean, that's everything that, um, I mean, as a film, you need her to be the complete antithesis to, uh, the new, the, 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 the better partner for this main character, Sally Hawkins. Um, and it's just, it's kind of interesting because she's zero depth. She is a, she is a, a, a waiting pool in terms yeah. of how deep her character is, which is kind of a shame because I think sometimes that ex-girlfriend character can be the, the, the most fun character in the film. Um, yeah. And it, well, it actually goes a bit far as well because one of the, the key plot point at the kind of all is lost moment is Doug she and she invites doug she says she sees that doug has hooked up with another woman and she becomes jealous and she decides maybe he wasn't that bad after all and yeah she, she turns it around him yeah. to try and to try and get back together with her and he goes well she when... she um she even so doug uh why we keep calling him doug but his name is um not doug it's uh gordon doug gordon doug gordon oh it is doug apologies listeners i'm having a brain meltdown um but yeah, so she hears that Doug might be dating somebody else through the grapevine. I think Craig tells her that yeah, she's Craig tells her. that he's seeing somebody else, um, and then so she knows where Doug will be on a given night. She knows he'll be at the yeah. trivia night, um, and so she uh, gets on her um, her that dress and turns up at the club. Uh, sorry, at the bar, so she can get a look in on whoever this this new piece uh, of action that he's dating is going to be there. And, and is immediately, immediately decides that uh, things weren't as green on the other side of the fence as she had at first thought Mm. Um, and, and clearly makes a decision then and there to get, to get Doug back. 
she also finds out that he is selling his house and is about to make some sweet bank. Oh, because Craig, because Craig tells Craig her, tells her that, that yeah. as well. Yeah. So yeah, again, just as if she wasn't as, uh, reprehensible enough as it was, uh, they give her another reason to be uh, even more disliked. But you can like you can still use that plot point that he finds something in the X that draws him back if it's the familiarity. But we establish no familiarity because the only scene we ever see them in up until this point is her dumping him. Yeah, we have no idea what was good about their relationship. It went on for two years. So that we we see so, for two and, minutes at the beginning. Yeah, and they don't they don't give her because they don't give her any redeeming qualities other than being hot. Um, there's there's not much drawing. Uh, dug back to her no it's i mean just she's, just she's to no, talk she's no not she's no she's she's no darcy or um uh hugh grant from um yeah from uh bridget's diary um which yeah. is you see their relationship and though he is a scumbag uh he is undeniably charming and there is undeniable chemistry between uh hugh grant and um I forget her name, Bridget Jones, um, uh, Bridget Jones's diary. Uh, there is undeniable chemistry and uh, attraction there between them. Although, yeah, he is a reprehensible character in that. But, yeah. you know, like you say, you don't get that moment where it's like, oh, you can see how that relationship could have worked or did work. You, you don't see she any also, of that at all. She also dumps him like a complete dick. Yeah. she doesn't. It's not even a nice dumping. No. She's, she literally shits on him and then walks out the door. He has no he has no reason to phone her back. Things are going great with Holly. Yeah. Why would, yeah. Why would he... What, there's, there's no reason for him to, uh, to to take that date. No. Yeah, she also ends up sleeping with Craig. And, and Craig, we uh, we find out in, in the wide shot, has a headshot of Craig on the bedside table. Which, <laughs> <laughs> the, which is... Mwah on point <laughs> the similar the similarities are building up among people named craig 100 percent. i have a headshot <laughs> by my bedside table you know I, I show it to people as they come through here's me and there's me lying on the bed <laughs> you, kiss, you, kiss, you kiss yourself to sleep when you go to bed <laughs> you stay handsome you good looking fellow <laughs> <laughs> stay hot um yeah oh my god Oh, uh, so, yeah, I, um, I, so we're about 30 minutes into the film, like when when most of this has gone down. I just would like to point out by this point, we've had four separate Queen songs. Like that's my note here. Uh, fourth Queen song. <laughs> it's, I think with Queen, I think the problem, yeah, I mean, not, it's just, part of the problem is just that it's it's Queen. It's so jarring. Every time another Queen song plays, it's, it's in your face. Yeah. It becomes a little bit, because of the kind of aligning aligning the song with what's happening but in a bit of a way they don't they don't always mesh the mo- the songs aren't made for the movie so they don't always mesh but it feels a little bit kind of mamma mia yeah having, like it's a, having, like it's the greatest like the, hits yeah yeah it's, it's almost like it's, they wanted to put together a soundtrack that they could sell which was largely queen related and then you could have well, they, the the lovebird soundtrack when it's be like yeah choice queen cuts but but i i get like part of me thinks they were also trying to flesh out Doug's character. Um, and okay. He likes, he likes music from, from the seventies, which adds to his persona of a guy that's not that big on change. And he, I think he says his dad got, got him into queen and, um, 
he's he's kind of never evolved further from that so it 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 adds to that but it's yeah it's quite it's quite hard to listen to yeah i mean having said which i quite like queen but uh i don't know if i need a soundtrack of it in a film made in the 2000 and made in 2011 but hey you work with what you've got it's interesting though because like traditionally kiwi films or new zealand movies are very very big on new zealand talent from from behind the scenes to on screen and then into the soundtrack as well so normally you would have had i would have you know for this time period i mean it's not that new zealand doesn't have a lot of great homegrown musical talent that they do um but i thought it was a, a bold take to use very heavily a very very famous british band there's yeah I th- uh, yeah i wonder where that came from as well that's because you're you're right that it's normally kind of and i, I mentioned taika waititi and phoenix foundation it's, yeah. it's normally kind of implied that the if you're making a movie you'll get you'll you'll give the new zealand a new zealand artist a chance to um get a bit of get a bit of that get a bit screen time yeah which is fun because um, i, I th- which is fine but i think in in this movie obviously reese darby had um, was was one of the breakout stars of Flight of the Concords. He's had a, a film career um, as well. Um, so he's he's so when he's making this in 2011, I think he's probably at the height of his Reese Darby powers. Um, and so obviously that's how this movie comes about. Where like we've got Reese Darby, he's got international name brand. We'll be able to sell this film internationally. It's um, it's picked up and it's produced by Icon, which I think is the Mel Gibson um uh i think that's or i think it was associated with mel gibson i'm not sure if it still is or, or was at the time i haven't checked that out but um, um you also you also got a fem- an international female lead yeah so i don't know if i i i mean to be fair i'm not that familiar with what sally hawkins was doing in 2010 2012 but obviously it's a few years before she'd be in the paddington films and uh, get academy award uh, get an academy award nomination for the shape of water um, just having a quick look in IMDb. She was definitely in a lot of stuff in 2010 and 2011. Uh, do I see anything that jumps off the page at me to tell me? No, I don't think there's anything in here in particular that like mm. would have made her an international brand name. Um, I remember watching watching Happy Go Lucky, uh, which came out in 2008, which uh, I think was a pretty um, a pretty well recognized. Was she nominated? Did she get a nomination for something for that? Not sure. Happy go lucky. I haven't seen it. I don't know it, but um, hmm. uh, I assume it's a British film. Interestingly enough, according to IMDb, uh, her first film credit uh, is in Star Wars Episode One: The Phantom Menace, and she was a villager, and she was uncredited. Oh, there you go. There you go. So that was shot in Australia. Um, is she secretly an Australian? No, no, she's English. Okay, she was born in Dulwich. Okay, yeah, so. So I get yeah I get I get what you're saying. There's the maybe they're going for yeah it's a New Zealand film, but it's and it's it's not it's not there's nothing Kiwi about the story. It's not um, no, it's, it's it's not trying to reflect any anything that is unique about our culture other than um, the duck, which is which is actually which is actually something that's like uh, New Zealand cinema is kind of known for this, particularly from from sixties seventies eighties. It's known. As, as this kind of cinema of unease um everything's kind of brooding and quite dark uh, yeah. in my father's den kind of um 
tone. Goodbye, pork pie. Uh, once, <laughs> once, we're, once we're warriors. warriors. Um, <laughs> where, yeah, this movie kind of rides on the on the Taika Waititi. Um, yeah, it does have a Taika Waititi vibe. Into yeah. that, it's 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 got a yeah, it's got that lighter lighter vibe. It's um, not trying to not trying to plumb anything plumb anything too dark. It's um, yeah, it's enjoyable and light. And so I get that they didn't they didn't feel a need to kind of make it make it a, a kiwi movie in that sense yeah i mean it's almost like they're trying to make the antithesis of a kiwi movie because i think off air mike and i yeah. were talking about what is your standard kiwi movie and um usually kiwi movies new zealand movies have a very very as mike was saying a very very strong um kiwi identity associated with them as as someone who adopted new zealand as a country like i always the issue i always had with kiwi films is that they they felt um almost aggressively new zealand and it's mm. like they were very aggressively stamping uh, out like this is a new zealand film like that it's almost a genre unto itself um and that's all which, to do with funding right that's These to do with the funding this is, um so our, our film industry doesn't pay for it our film audience is not large enough to pay to get a movie made they are all and yeah not everyone's it's all Peter cultural Jackson. funding yeah it's all cultural funding so yeah you wind up having very aggressively kiwi films as a result mm. or that take a very particular take on like a, a culture mm. uh, which this movie does not this movie is like com- the complete opposite of that and it's almost like yep. they were very intentionally trying to make an internationally marketable film because they were going okay we get sally hawkins we've got reese darby who's big in the states we've got brian brown we can sell it in australia on brian brown and now now we're made we're making this film that it's all glamour shots of auckland it's all glamour shots of the suburbs it's <laughs> all it's all like beautiful north north shore you know overlooking the harbor bridge it's well well west on the hills on the mountains um looking looking over the over the bays um it's all uh, green strips on the on the auckland motorway going into downtown auckland which uh, spoiler alert for tourists that that green strip is a special effect um or it's it's you know it's uh what's the devonport with the the uh, where the tunnels are it's all like north there. Northhead, thank yeah. you i've been gone yeah. for three years i'm losing all the suburb names um but yeah so this movie seems like very much just yeah. a very strategic we want to make an international film that it will play internationally and not have that dense new zealand culture that becomes impenetrable for foreign audiences yeah. but hey other, other movie that i just thought of that paved paved the way out of that cinema of unease from the and during the 2000s was sionia's wedding um, which we've which, tried to do for this <laughs> we did try and do, we tried to try and do that for this which is actually that's not like what you're saying because that is, is quintessentially kiwi and does have a, a similar they share an actor this movie because they both yeah. have david Farnay in them yeah um who's in everything that's made in new zealand it also has um, uh, Wesley Dowdle. Dowdle. Yes. Yeah. Cause, yes, um, he's in this too. He plays he's in Brent. This too, as and, Brent. Um, Can I just uh, mention lovebirds. his um, sexual assault va- uh, van? <laughs> Are we still talking about the actor? Or? <laughs> oh, yeah, sorry. The actor probably doesn't have a sexual assault van. I'm sure he's a lovely guy. Uh, but no, in this film, that character has a van, like a Toyota Hiace, kitted out with like a bed and a mirror ball and a bar in the back like <laughs> nothing but regret and bad decisions happens in the back of that van he's, so, he's, he literally has the decal shag and wagon he does and it's like what the hell 
that's yeah, that's not aged well. Uh, and and more you wouldn't put that in a movie in twenty twenty one. More importantly, uh, the young actress, um, uh, uh, what's her name, Emily Barclay, uh, who plays Brenda, who is Sally Hawkins' co-worker. She's the plucky friend. Um, she she takes two seconds. And she's in the back of that wagon. Oh, she's all up in that van. <laughs> she is just like, yeah, okay. And jumps in the back. It's like, oh no, girl, you need to run. Nothing good happens back there. <laughs> this is the opening scene of a Scream movie. What is wrong with you? Good God. Um, <laughs> this is clearly a pre-Me Too movie. I mean, I mean there's, I'm sure there's lovely people who own vans that have mattresses and bars and mirror balls in them out up the back but and then and then later in the film they go to the cricket which is another quintessential kiwi thing i suppose uh and the the sally hawking's kid hops in the back of that that shagging wagon and i'm just thinking to myself holy shit kid you are going to need to douse in bleach (laughs) (laughs) just casually in the back of that thing um does it have seatbelts? I don't know. I want to know what safety, um, what standard of safety this thing's been finished to. Kid, do not get into that wagon. You will die. Or we'll catch something transmissible. Holy yeah. heck. Yeah, it, it does It does make you raise, make, make you question Holly's parenting qualifications that she sends him <laughs> off. Maybe that's, maybe that's a sign of how much she, how much she has bonded so quickly with Doug that she trusts him. Even On, though his body after two days. is, is, is as a sexual predator i'll <laughs> yeah. send my son off with you if I, I don't have kids but mike if if you had a daughter and or or a son you do you have two um but if, if someone you'd barely met turned up and was taking your kid away in that wagon would you feel at all comfortable um they would have to be really hot <laughs> fair i suppose <laughs> Um, I did um, note here. Which, I did note here that we got our first. Um, we got our first song that wasn't Queen at this point. We got a track by Jin Wigmore, which is a Kiwi artist. But yeah, uh, yeah. Um, is I guess it's meant to be the duck. I've just. I was reflecting on this after watching the movie and thinking, what what do Doug and Holly have in common other than other than being attractive? What does Doug see in Holly and what does Holly see in Doug? Well, Holly is a mature adult and has got more than two centimeters of depth to her. And Doug is not the ex-husband, who we don't actually find out a lot about, right? I don't actually remember there being much of a story about what happened to the father. Yeah, you go on a bit of a roller coaster where she reveals that he died. But right. That they, but then about... 45 seconds later that they had already separated at the point when he died so it becomes about the becomes about it goes through about three different movies in in the sports in the course yeah. of about two minutes when you find out that she has a kid and that the kid's dad has, has died but that they but they, they had already separated when he died i mean i i i think at one point here i um i wrote down about uh, the kid I said, um, the kid likes space and cricket and nothing else, uh, and has a weird life partner friend already at the age of six, uh, or seven, however old he's meant to be. Um, these are all entirely possible things for a child that age, Craig. <laughs> I can, I can tell you from space experience. and cricket. Oh, and, and an asteroid that's going to destroy the earth. Um, oh, and, uh, yeah, I keep saying this, 
there's um, in my notes here, I keep talking about Chekhov's this and Chekhov's that. So I've got here Chekhov's lawnmower and I've got Chekhov's astronomer. So because um, uh, one of the other teams that they, they constantly lose out to in the pub quiz has an astronomer amongst them. And uh, he's a he's a he's a lovely bearded fellow. Um, the actor's name is John Callan as Professor Craddock. And um, once the once I saw the posters for the kids space obsession, I was like, how soon is that going to come up? that they just yeah. so happen to know an astronomer so uh yeah the kid's gonna want to wash everything he owns after being the back of that van um i, I, liked, I, have... I liked the cricket thing the, i mean the cricket's one of the things with one the, of the duck one of the best <laughs> it's one of the best duck gags because get, if you don't know if you don't anything about cricket when you get up if you if you the, the worst thing you can do as a batsman is get zero runs and that's known as getting a duck getting a um, out for a duck and so to, for someone to take a duck to a cricket game and have a duck there like that tr- that tracks and like i feel like when when was it nick nick ward is that the name of the writer yes like pr- there must have been a, a visions of a lot of a lot of duck related humor like right duck puns and <laughs> And, and that sort of thing but i was just i was just thinking not a lot, like, not a lot of it really started lands. first was did they start with the idea that a guy would have a duck at the cricket or did they get to the idea that they have a duck so they better take it to the cricket like i want to know the whole be movie yeah whole movie is based around one time one time he went to the cricket and he saw a and guy someone held, held up a duck and they were like oh there's a duck out there shell let's uh let's cut to the duck uh, i gotta write a movie about that <laughs> i need to write a movie about a guy who takes a duck to the cricket so yeah this guy, uh, Nick, no. Nick, Nick Ward, did we say his name was? Um, he wrote um, another seminal Kiwi film called Stickman, which I've seen. Uh, oh, yeah, Stickman. He's yeah, also Stickman's responsible for good. Wellington Paranormal, which is uh, very Taika Waititi if you haven't seen yeah. it. Yeah. Um, hey, uh, so we should talk about which, the, which we should talk about the enough, Sorry, sorry. I just wanted to say this. So um, I, I've got my answer. So one of the things I thought about this film was that it kind of felt like a TV pilot. Um, and it felt like there were a whole bunch of elements that were being introduced um, that felt like they were going to go. Uh, it felt like it, it felt like they were ready to like have a, an ongoing series based on this. And um, I don't know why I didn't look this up earlier, but I'm just looking at Nick Ward. So um, that whole trivia thing, uh, there's a New Zealand TV show called Nothing Trivial. Which is, a, which is about the trials and tribulations of a trivia group, pub trivia team. Nothing trivial, written by Nick Ward. So he took that right. idea, and he took that idea okay. and turned that into Nothing Trivial. And so, and that's, and Nothing Trivial, so this movie came out in 2011. Yeah. When, when Nothing, trivial Nothing Trivial comes out. And Nothing Trivial uh, starts in 2011 and runs through to 2013. Okay, so yeah. he's most likely writing this and that show almost concurrently almost concurrently so breaking that out mm. so i i wonder if at some point this was intended to be like a a pilot for that or or they've taken elements of that and gone that worked really well we should do more yeah 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 there you go yeah I w- so that's interesting so i was I, w- I did say we should talk about the leads but let's come back to them because i do i think this is um yeah i i, I there's a lot to like about this movie i do what i felt watching it was that it does like you've just said it, it, there is something it's more of a tv sort of feel than a movie sort of feel yeah uh, it, it, the story feels a little bit small 
yeah. for a movie. Um, and partly that's because that's what Doug's character, he's meant to be small. Yeah. Um, that's, he has a small life and he likes it that way. And he, he, he and this movie is about him re- finding, you know, finding the courage to, to fly to, um, and, and the kind of fly away home vein. Um, but the, so there's a movie that came out, um, at the same time as this, same year as this, Mr. Popper's Penguins, um, Hollywood movie with Jim Carrey, um, similar setup where he uh he gets he's lumped with um uh some animals in that in that movie penguins obviously that he doesn't really want to take care of but um through bonding with these penguins he is able to reforge a better bond with his kids and and i think there's an ex-wife as well um and i think it's i think it's the kids that make it a movie scale the, right. the, the kind of the emotions the experience movie scale where in this so um the 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 female protagonist has a child and that's the that's the complicating factor through the through the second act um is that this child um he has a dad um who has died um he he and the mum had already split so it's not a kind of residual feeling on her part issue but it, but the the kid is not bonding with um with doug with the male protagonist but there's not enough at stake for doug for a movie um where with mr popper's penguins i think it has it has it gives it that movie scale where it's the it's the it's the main it's the main characters kids mm. he's trying to reforge a bond with them and at the same time you know there's there's a romantic element as well and that all centers around the the a story which is this this these animals that are interrupting his life um and making it hard for him to do his job and getting him mm-hmm. into trouble with his neighbors and you know wreaking the wreaking the havoc but i, but I, I think also, also as they well are this... also sorry man carry on but that you know, they are they are also giving him a way to grow and to change in the way that he needs to to mm-hmm. form a bond with with the with these children who are drifting I, away from him. I think that's that's exactly on point, um, and I, I I think for me as well, um, this movie has an A plot, which is him coming to grips with this duck and his burgeoning relationship with Sally Hawkins. But I also think for me this as a film, this is a this is a messy film uh, and it's a messy story um there's a b c and a d plot as well and there's a bunch of little bunch of little obstacles that he has to overcome which they kind of do in montage um and i think that this would have benefited and and if i if i'm going to be even so bold i think this has got a, a weak climax um because um it, it culminates in him turning up to to try and win sally hawkins back um at the zoo he turns up in a spaceman in a in a in a, um, in a space suit because he wants to take her to the moon because she's conf- she's confided earlier that she wanted to go to space or something and um so he's he's turned up in the space costume and uh she slaps him and then like forgives him um and uh, <laughs> I, I i wrote in my notes when that happened i wrote ah the old slap and kiss 
um, but uh, uh, I, I felt I felt like it just kind of auto resolved, um, and I felt like it needed it needed a, a climax. It needed an action punch at the end um, to. Well, there's yeah, which is the well, that's the bike ride though, right? That's yeah, the, but then the it, bike, he's the like immediately chase. shut down. Like he yeah, there's the chases that there's the. There's the stunts with the car because um, I, I noted here in my notes that an unsecured an unsecured mobile phone, an unsecured bike outside uh, at, the, at downtown Auckland. What fantasy land is this? Um, <laughs> then then the seventh Queen song plays, um, and um, and I, I noted that he's gone on three dates with Sally Hawkins total. So it, it feels like it feels like instead of telling a B a, a C D and an E plot line that they should have been fleshing out this relationship between him and Sally Hawkins. Um, because I don't feel like he's earned any of the the drama that the movie wants us to mm-hmm. enjoy. And um, and then, you know, you get uh, you get your eighth Queen song not long after that. Um, yeah, gosh. <laughs> what did you think I, of Reese Darby? I liked him in this. I thought as a romantic lead, he was great. He uh, they gave him a bit of a glow up. He's hit the gym a little bit. He um, he's in great shape. He um, he's charming. I thought he was great. I thought Sally Hawkins was good too. Uh, however, they this film goes out of your way to make her unlikable. Yeah, I, she, yeah. Her performance is fantastic. She's yeah, she's a, she's, she's a great. A really everything spe- yeah. spectacular actress. She's and she is. Uh, she she brings uh, a lot of yeah a, a lot of charm. And she's. I think you're right. She's key to the the likability of um, Holly. Yeah, uh, I'm interested. I I was just interested to uh, get your thoughts on like. So obviously, Reese Darby. Um, Murray, Flight of the Concords, comic, um, you know, comic genius, just really, uh, you're, and you're, you're right, in 2011, he was a, um, yeah, he was, that was his, that was his, his time, right? He was, he was informed then, but yeah. this, there's a weirdly kind of no comedy to his, it, like not the kind of re- not the Murray kind of comedy that, no, that, he, that he, he brings. Yeah, definitely, it's all, it's, definitely. It's, a, he's very toned down. Very toned down. Like, like honestly, like they didn't want him doing Reese Darby. They wanted him doing Hugh Grant. They wanted that that floppy haired English sort of like much toned down, much maligned, much put upon, but not like not Jim Carrey like levels of energy it's 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 a it's an odd ask like why cast Reese Darby then like it is an odd it is an odd ask and I think he does he he does what he's I think he's he's doing what he's been asked to do I think he's I think he's acting well I think think he sells the I think he sells the sells the character if I'm if I'm gonna Um, be so bold I don't actually think Reese Darby acts so much as you put him in front of the camera and let him rip um mm. because I think um I think I I saw an interview with Reese Darby where he was like um, all those people who went he, he's, he kind of makes a little bit of fun of all those people who went to drama school because he didn't do any of that uh, he just mm. he just turned up and um, and I think like don't get me wrong I'm not criticizing Reese Darby the guy is immensely talented but um, I think like it's just an odd it's an odd ask to put him in this film and then ask him to be something he's not like Reese Darby is not Gary Oldman he doesn't inhabit somebody else's skin that's not the kind of actor he is he Reese Darby is the character that's it um, 
so yeah it's weird that they put him in this and sally hawkins as well like she is very charming and but again she's asked to be romantic lead and and normally all that's asked of romantic lead is be pretty be cute have nice meet cute film run and everyone happy at the end of it and again sally hawkins is acting acting her life out here and yeah just wrong movie but um uh gosh <laughs> i've got a random note here where the kid the kid asks mummy what a skank is um <laughs> I can't, i'm not quite sure what that was in context now. <laughs> I, I think that's i think that's actually the, the best humor in the film is those the kind of the off-screen comments yeah. that they, they, they throw in like they're probably like yeah no one's saying them on screen but they just they've, they've recorded people off in the distance and <laughs> mommy what's a skank they're the funniest lines in the movie oh and one of the kids the person saying them one of the kids at the party uh, my note here i remember it from the film like you might have to go back and rewatch it but one of the kids one of the kids because they're all dressed up as their favorite animals at the thing and it's clear that the props department were making these things like ad hoc at the last minute but one of the kids in the elephant costume and i've written down here looks like he's off to commit a hate crime <laughs> so that costume is just a little a little kkk from my liking but yeah he's off to commit a hate crime <laughs> I didn't notice that kid. <laughs> I think I was I was watching it, I had to rewind it a couple of times because I was like, what the heck? <laughs> oh, and I also noted here, uh, Sally Hawkins obviously wasn't paid to kiss Reese Darby, so she opted for the off-the-lip-on-near-the-chin kiss instead of a kiss on the lips. So, yeah. It's it's definitely, like, Reese clearly had garlic for lunch and she wasn't having any of it. So. <laughs> this, these are the secrets. The Hollywood yeah. <laughs> secrets that you get from from Craig and Mike. Maybe maybe he had a cold sore, and they were like, "You've got to have the kiss." And she's like, "I'm not kissing that." So, yeah. Uh, and then we get there. Like sorry, mate. is it like a force a forced perspective thing, like in Lord of the Rings? Yeah, it is. It's, actually, it's like she's, it, she's it, kissing. He's about two meters. He's about two meters off. He's about distance. two meters away. Yeah, and she's she's <laughs> yeah. Because sometimes you get like a like uh, actors will do an air bite of food, so the the camera will be barrel. They'll basically be barreling down the camera. And they'll put the food up in front of their face and take an air bite. And so, so long as you don't show the food mm. to show that there's no bite out of it, you can just get away with miming eating. Um, so, mm. uh, big air bite. And uh, yeah, this this is definitely a big ass kiss on the chin, uh, nowhere near the lips. <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah, yeah, it's quite funny. I just thought, I thought she clearly felt she wasn't getting paid enough for that. So, yeah. um, and we also get our ninth queen song. So nine yeah oh because they they do the they do the blues brothers thing where they do the music um, over, video the, over the, the over the credits they do a music video at the end where they're lip syncing um to princes of the universe um but i i love this i think this is so cool they get the whole cast they get the whole cast to do it and they <laughs> yeah they film them film them in different places so yeah two um, things out of this first thing one the bird lady needs a spin-off of her own like she was definitely one of the more fun things about this lady who's crocheting little outfits for all the birds that she has uh in her bird sanctuary and two yeah this is the horrible duck sanctuary the horrible duck sanctuary prompts him to decide that he's going to keep this bird because he can't leave it can't leave it at this duck duck sanctuary sanctuary with a a naff hat (laughs) and two brian brown has a bird themed sex dungeon (laughs) (laughs) of course he does and you know what sure (laughs) why not 
See, I only just noticed he's like he's he's credited on the like on the poster for this. Yeah, he's in about he's, in he's about got five three minutes. Of, yeah, he's got five minutes of screen time, but it's Brian Brown. He's, yeah, <laughs> I, uh, was, yeah like these. What was what was Sam Neill doing that day? Was he too busy? Like, <laughs> what the hell? Why have we got Brian Brown? He's an Australian. Chasing, was, I mean, I have no issue dinosaurs. with Brian Brown. He's great, but. Why is he in this movie? How did he wind up here? Did he did he wake up drunk and turned up and he woke up on the set of of Lovebirds? What the hell? What was going on that day? I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I'm just I'm um, having a look at his um, I'm having a look at his IMDb to see what he was doing in 2011 to see if he was on set with uh, Reese Darby and crew. But nope, nope. I think even the even the um uh the the kind of the quirky co-worker group they they lend it that that kind of tv sitcom-y kind of vibe don't yeah they? you don't yeah, they find really out do. enough about them to um to kind of engage with them much that they're just they're there and they're there in the background and um just 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 being quirky i mean david fane's just being david kind of fane flavor. right yep. yeah Yep. And and that's that's typically speaking always a good time, um, yeah. But just the rest of them. Um, I, I mean, uh, I would I would be quite happy if there was more um, Ganesh and, and David Fane. Like I think all of those guys are are, are fantastic. Um, He's surprisingly toned down on this as well, actually, David. Yeah. Is again, it, is it Fane or Fane? I was. Oh, you know what? It's probably Fane. Let's be honest. Um, apologies to to David Fane. He, you're 100 percent right. It probably is David Fane. I'm, I'm pronouncing everything like a like a palm now. David but he's Fane. he's he's kind of he's kind of toned down as as well. Where in in Sione's wedding. Oh, he's, he's just, off the he's wall. Just, he's just yeah. cuts <laughs> loose, and he is fantastic. He owns every scene he is in. But yeah, and also he doesn't doesn't have much reason to his character doesn't have much reason to be in that movie. But he's he he is there for the flavor and he brings the flavor. Yeah, he does. Um, yeah, I, I don't know this, this this movie is both charm plus plus. Oh, there's one other note I've made here, um, and it's just reminded me that the uh, early on in the film they're just traumatizing kids with dead animals at the zoo. Um, so they've got a whole bunch of dead animals and they're just flashing them around to the kids and it's like... That's right, because they're, they're, trying to, they're hosting a... There's a, a weird kind of side sidebar where um, um, the, the character, she's, she's doing a, a kid's talk at the zoo and she holds up some roadkill or... Yeah, or she like holds dead, up a dead rabbit. Dead animals because <laughs> she's showing showing them what the, what the animals eat. <laughs> what Emily, the hell? Emily Barclay's character. <laughs> <laughs> I mean... Uh, a lot of the comedy in this movie, like uh, to be honest with you, watching this movie, I, I think there was maybe one or two chortles that I had. But like talking about it afterwards is definitely where I've gotten most of the um, uh, comedy from this. Um, yeah, gosh. Yeah, I just I and that, I think so that weird. I think that's where it's I think that's the where it's it, it is missing is it's not quite sure what sort of what's where it's where the comedy's coming from totally it's off it's inconsistent yeah is it from is it from the duck the duck puns and that sort of humor it's not coming from the actors although you've got great comic actors in it yeah um is it coming from these these kind of odd situations yeah they're a little bit more just odd than i've got to say like it feels like it was written by committee as well it's like like they've gone along and tried to hit all of the 
the sitcom notes that you need to have like they've got the second act turn around and you know he's lost the duck and and she's told him that she doesn't want to be around him anymore so he's lost his duck and his girlfriend in the same afternoon um and he gets the duck back by playing queen because why wouldn't he um and then um he goes on this he goes on the date with Faye and and you know she's looking great and she's telling him about how she wants to get back together and but first he's got to sell the house and he's got to do all this other stuff and and he realizes then that he doesn't want to be there and I, I don't know it's just it's kind of weird and it's it feels longer than it is um i think the runtime i can't remember what the runtime is but it's not particularly so it's it's an hour and 43 but well, honestly yeah it's a 90 it's 95 or so every time I, I've, I've seen it twice my wife likes the film but every time i've seen it it feels like it's two and a half hours long and um it feels like a watch and i i struggle the, the i mean the duck is cute that i call the duck the cat dog duck because it does more than what a duck should and um oh, yeah I mean, look, good effort. It's likable. It's enjoyable. It's certainly it's, well put together. Like it's, it's well, it is it is well put together. It's tidy. Yeah, it's tidy. It's a nice film. It looks good. Um, yeah, for for rom com. I mean, I mean, it's rom com. It's like it's not like the bar is set particularly high. It, well, it's it's as I, I, say, I feel like I say this every podcast. How well is it doing what it's setting out to do? it's 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 not trying it's not trying to be groundbreakingly funny it's trying to be it's trying to be charming it's trying to put bums in seats for like a rom-com and sure Mm. uh sure Uh, but i feel like it ticks the box it ticks the boxes that it needs to got a great title lovebirds i mean it's like perfect um but uh yeah i i don't know i I struggle with this film a little bit i struggle to i I like this film because it's a kiwi movie i can watch it being being an expat in, in the uk it's it's certainly very uh homesick inspiring because it's just like you know i grew up on those very streets uh, i know where that street that corner with the bridgeway on the corner is i didn't even need to see the bridgeway in the background i knew that street looking at it i was like mm. that's the street that the bridgeway's on i think that's lake road um in in north Coast point uh, or is it lake road i can't remember um but yeah gosh yeah i struggle i struggle with this movie eight out of ten for new zealand <laughs> <laughs> all right um you know uh yeah it's it's I, I wouldn't i wouldn't i wouldn't suggest people rush out and watch it if you haven't seen it but it's a, it's a decent it's a decent enough effort it's res, it's respectable if i'd made this movie i would feel proud of it yeah if i'd made this movie i'd be cer- certainly proud of it um it did it did have five it did have five nominations and one award um but it, it it won the audience award at the uh, best inter- for best international director for Paul Murphy, and it was nominated for uh, I think the New Zealand and TV film awards. But I mean, to be honest, if you know how many films get made by New Zealanders in New Zealand in a given year, like you'd make two, you'd probably get nominated for half the awards because there were only two mm-hmm. films. But what do you think? What do you think happens after this? Do you think they're a good match? Do they stay together? I mean, maybe. I mean, they've only gone on three dates. Maybe they'll find more to talk about. <laughs> Hopefully, once now that that duck's gone, like they, his duck's, they, go, his they duck's gone, they won't have it. They won't have that duck conflict to resolve. Like it'll just be like them figuring out what they want to have for dinner and whether they watch Shortland Street or not. Um, are they going to be that couple that watch Shortland Street? Who knows? I don't think so. 
they're both highly educated. They're probably going to sell both their properties and live off the rest of their lives and yeah, they are because abs- they are absolutely loaded. <laughs> they are loaded. <laughs> oh no, I've got a, I've got a rare form of cancer. I need to be treated in the states. No problem. We'll neither subdivide your needs, property. Neither of them needs to work again. <laughs> oh yeah, what's that? We'll just live a life of luxury touring the world. Sure. <laughs> All right. Why not? Okay. Um. We'll be back again uh, in a very short few order. weeks. Yes. Yeah. Um, if you've got an idea for a movie that we should do next, uh, hit us up on the socials. Um, if you want to share this with someone who might have a different opinion, uh, if you're a New Zealand listener and you want to share this with someone who made or worked on this movie, um, I mean, don't hate us. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, New Zealand is, it's a very real possibility. We know people who worked on this, yeah. but, uh, uh, I'm, I think we did a, a 48 hour film challenge with the production company behind this film. I'm pretty sure we did at least, um, oh, gosh. that was a, that was a weekend. Um, but, uh, yeah, uh, I think this movie is, is, is pretty good for New Zealand cinema and I applaud yeah. them for trying to make something, um, with an international take on it. That was, that, that's, that would be marketable overseas because, as as an adopted kiwi one of the one of the one of the first things i noted about new zealand cinema was how aggressively new zealand everything in new zealand is <laughs> and this movie is not that um so no. uh if it is and yeah hats off to them brian brown australia's own gotta love him <laughs> <laughs> i just love All brian right. brown have you seen fx that's a great movie you seen fx no and fx2 oh it's 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 80s action film but he plays a a hollywood's fx fx supervisor or or fx man and um he he solves he solves a murder using special effects and then um and then lays lays siege to a um to a mafia to a mafia stronghold using his fx superpowers it's surprisingly fun (laughs) Is, is that a is that a potential podcast I mean, I wouldn't mind watching FX again. It's got Brian Dennehy in it, so it's uh, it's it's great. Yeah, I, I wouldn't right, mind being Brian Brown. Let's let's chuck that on the list. Yeah. All right. Anything great. else for our list? Hit us up. Let yeah. us know. Um, thanks for listening. We'll be, See you all. We'll be back again. <laughs> Bye, Mike. Thank you, dear.